0: The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome back. Thanks again for joining us again today as we jump into a new book of the Bible. If you are following along, we just finished the book of Jonah. Uh, That'll be on our our YouTube channel. Not all of it made the Facebook page due to some technical difficulties we were having with our software connecting to Facebook. Uh, But you can find them on our YouTube channel. If you just go to YouTube and search Grace Baptist Church Bakersfield, California, you will find it. You can subscribe and anytime we add a video from Sunday or whatever it will be on there. Um, you can use that feature even watching smart TV, things of that nature, but that's the easiest way to follow us. And uh, But the rest of that is on there. I think it's about 12 episodes as we walk through the book of Jonah. I'm really looking at uh, Jonah's magnificent God. Today we're going to start in another Old Testament book, uh, the book of First Samuel. Uh, I want to kind of put a theme to this, at least a theme that I have. I read this theme kind of in one of the, I was studying for this as doing messages through Samuel a while back, and one of the commentaries I read, they kind of pent one thought, but I kind of see this running, because really the book of 1 Samuel runs through the history, it's, it's a lot of hist- history about the children of Israel, it runs into Samuel being introduced, and him introducing the monarchy, the Israel is transitioning out, we're coming to the end of the time of judges, and the, the times of the kings, the monarchy is about to start, and Samuel is that transitional figure that introduces to Saul, then David, and we see the monarchy begin. And so this is the history of all of that taking place. And so the theme that I kind of want us to look at is this simple theme. It's God's story, my part. See, God's got a plan, and we'll see that in the first few verses here, that God's hand will be seen all the way through this book of history. Uh, But in all of it, God's got a plan, but we have a part to play in that. And it comes back down to this battle that we will constantly fight in understanding God's sovereignty and man's free will. God is 100% completely sovereign, but in that sovereignty he has given us a free will. How does that work? Where do the two interconnect? They really will never know for sure. We just know they both exist. And so we see that, and God's got a plan, but we have a part to play in that plan, and we see that. We'll see this in the section. So as we jump into the book of 1 Sam, you are seeing um, we're going to look at a man by the name of Elkanah. He actually was from the um, priestly line, although that's not what we see him as. Um, and we're going to see ultimately a uh, a little bit of history, a little bit of culture, and remember, uh, just because like we're going to see something in a moment, just because it's in this passage doesn't mean that God is saying this is what needs to be done. History is simply just that. History. So let's go ahead and look at First Samuel chapter one, beginning in verse one, where it says, "Now there was a certain man, Reimathaim Ha-re-ma- uh, Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerohim, Jero- 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 the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. So let me just jump in real quickly." Uh, one of the things I hear a lot about when people run to the Old Testament is this fact that many of the men had more than one wife. And so they go back, some will say that was God's approval on it. Some would say, why would we have a problem? Why would God allow this? He's pushing into polygamy. If you go back to Genesis chapter 2 and look at God's initial design, it was not God's plan. Just because we see it happening in Scripture does not mean it's God's plan. As a matter of fact, we're going to see in just a moment that there's a level of conflict in his home due to the fact that e- Elkanah went outside of God's plan. Now, we do see that he's a, he's a man that loves God, wants to do right, as we see that in a moment. He comes up every year to worship God, uh, but he made a choice that's outside of God's design, and, and, and there's some grief because of it. Uh, now, in this scenario, what, what usually comes down as, um, in those times, because... Uh, remember, the, you know, the women kind of were underneath, massively underneath, this very typical in the Middle East, under the umbrella of a man. Uh, they didn't have much in the area. Like if there were a widow, they could not take care of the estate. It was all run through men. In fact, usually run through men and then through their sons. So, what would happen is if a man would marry and the w- wife could not give a child, he would marry another for the purpose of bearing a child. Now, on a lot of occasions, as we'll see in a moment, uh, the second wife was often younger and often didn't enjoy the loving relationship of the husband because that's not what she was there for. So you'll see here a level of conflict in this. And, um, and so verse 3, this man went up from the city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. I want you to catch this part. First of all, there's a major point about, I'm not saying he didn't love Peninnah, but there's obviously an affection offered to Hannah that wasn't equal to Peninnah. Um, She had children, sons and daughters, Hannah did not, uh, which was initially a conflict, and we'll see in a moment. It was a major conflict in their home, uh, but what you see is they would go up, it was a normal thing, they would come up to Shiloh, they would come to worship yearly, Uh, it was something he wanted to do. He wanted to follow traditions, follow the law, do what he's supposed to, rear his family to understand the truths of the law and what's supposed to be done. Um, So as you come out of the Judges, a lot of times in the Times of Judges, one of the biggest problems in the Times of the Judges was that, and which, is, of course, this is the end of that time, where people were worshiping other gods, and so what you'd find is they'd worship other gods, they'd fall into sin, uh, God would put them into judgment, captivity, uh, they would get right, God would send them a judge, He would. they would bring them out of captivity, they would live in peace, because they're following God, that cycle would start again, and it was just a constant cycle over and over, and every new judge is brought in to bring them out into Jerusalem. There wasn't a king, uh, really it was supposed to be a theocracy, it was supposed to be God ruling, and he would use his priests to do it, but they didn't really want to follow of that. And, uh, and so uh, Samuel's kind of that last one in this transition of how it's taking place. So we see why he's going up and really what he wanted to accomplish in this time as a man. Um, so uh, let me, let me, uh, let's go to verse six. I'm trying to find where I left off here. Uh, verse, uh, let's go to verse five. But Hannah, Hannah, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Now this is an interesting part here. When you look at this, Hannah not being able to have children, Is not a fluke. Hannah not being able to have children is not a punishment. As a matter of fact, it says right there in the verse, the Lord had closed up her her womb. Now, as we dig a little deeper into this book and we learn a little bit more about how she responded to this, we're going to learn some principles. Let me tell you one of the things I love about studying what we call the uh, historical books, the uh, books of history of the Old Testament. This is one of those where we're just going to learn history. Like in American history, like in world history, you know, they often say if you forget history, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, when we go back and study the, the studying history, Old Testament history, one thing to remember is a lot of times it's, it covers large sections of Scripture. New Testament, you can, you know, five to ten verses, there's a lot of information. In the Old Testament, it might be two chapters to get a full context of a story. So as we're doing this, you might find that we'll have several episodes on one story. But one of the things that I love about it is this: these books are packed with principles, because they're historical, packed with God's character, packed with attributes of God, packed with how people respond to and how God worked. We learn so much about God and ourselves from studying his working in Israel's history. In this scenario, and we'll get to it in the next episode or the next couple, why he did this. Now, first of all, I would say this. To come back and say we can always give an answer to why God did something is a very arrogant comment. We can never come back and say we know why God did something. Isaiah Isaiah clearly states his ways are not ours and his thoughts are not ours. So it's very dangerous for us to spend time thinking that we at any point can understand the mind of God. We have a hard time understanding our own thinking, more or less, the minds of Almighty Jehovah God. So we need to go in with this understanding that there's a level of sovereignty that we embrace. And it's by, by the way, it's wonderful. Here's a simple principle. If my God is so small that I can understand him, then he's not big enough to deal with my problems. You catch that? My God needs to be so big that I don't understand Him, because if my God is so small that I can understand Him, He's not big enough to deal with my situations. We need to know that the God we serve is greater than our problems. You ever find yourself trying to figure out a technical problem or you have a physical issue and you can't find it online and you show up to a doctor and bam, they know it right away. It's the reason you go to them. It's the reason you pay the money to go to them. They should be smarter than us in the area of of science, right? Or technology, if you take it to Best Buy and you can't figure what's wrong with your computer. Um, It's a bad illustration, but you get the premise behind this. We want to worship a God who is so far above us that when we go to him with our struggles, he's not surprised by them. And that's who Jehovah God is. And we see he set up her womb. We'll learn principles behind it. But we'll never understand why, because we'll never really understand the mind of God in this area. Uh, then it goes to verse 7. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. So now what you have is as they would go up every year, Ga- uh, Elkanah would give to Hannah, his first wife, um, Extra money, he would he would give money and, and things or possessions for worship to Penina and her children, but he loved Hannah especially, so he would treat her especially in that. My guess irritated Paninus. She's given the children, but there's a special bond with, with Hannah that she doesn't have. And so she would torture Hannah. She would torture her because God has showed her up. God doesn't let you. I can imagine things like God doesn't love you. You're not valuable because please understand a woman's value in this time in history, in this time part of the world was simply seen in how the children she could give. In some parts of that world, it's still true that their only value is in children they can give to their husbands. So that she easily would have been pushed down by Penina by this and would have tortured her. So she'd get up there and she would not eat. Really, I think the personally, I think the idea she was fasting. And we'll see that next is what we'll see a little about what she would do when she'd go up and pray and ask God to change something. Now, um, again, we could, you know, we, we really have to go another several verses to finish this aspect of the story. We're only halfway through, just kind of building a little bit of context as part of what we'll learn in studying the Old Testament. So stick with us again. It might be a couple episodes before we completely finish a thought. My goal is to pull out one or two principles from each thought as we move this through because we can learn what God has. I would pull from this, that whether we understand it or not, God is sovereign. God is loving. He will do what's right and best for us, but he will always do what will bring him glory, and uh, and we can learn how we can see that. Stick with us, uh, and I will be honest, this will take us a few months as we dig through the book of 1 Samuel. Jonah took us, what, two and a half weeks Uh, This is going to take us a few months as we dig through the book of 1 Samuel. There are, what, 31, 32 chapters in it, as we're going to take time kind of like Mark did uh, as we walk through this, uh, and I think it'll be a great time. There's a lot of the stories that we heard growing up, and we'll dig into them and learn from them, and I hope uh, this will be an encouragement and also a challenge as we learn about God and learn about ourselves from this book. Again, thanks for joining us today, we look forward to seeing you again next time.